And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. Please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. We're getting near to the end of Pastor Elliot's sermon on these verses. Today, Scripture will give us more details on every sinner's character and conduct. We all need a lawyer. And now with his message for this morning... Our pastor, Robert Elliott. So the character of the sinner is, the sinner is not righteous. The sinner does not understand with respect to the content of God's will. And the sinner is not God-seeking. The sinner is religion-seeking. And it's the sinner's character that is turned aside and away from God's narrow path of salvation. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 13 to 14 said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few that find it. The road is broad that leads to religion and making of fig leaves to cover the privates. The road is narrow that leads to faith in God and his son so that we would be supplied by the blood covering for our sin of Jesus Christ. One more thing. Not only is the sinner's character not righteous, not understanding of God's will and not God-seeking, but the sinner's character is rotten. The Greek word which is translated useless. See in verse 12, all have turned aside together and they have become useless. The Greek word which is translated useless here was for meat infested with maggots. We wouldn't buy a steak if we saw maggots crawling out of it in its wrapper. It's useless. God says that the sinner's character is useless. It's rotten. It's like meat infested with maggots. It's not a pretty picture. Now, from the character of the sinner, we go on in the passage to the conduct of the sinner. Verses 13 to 17, see it with me. The conduct of the sinner. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace have they not known This is the conduct of the sinner, and it's wrong from the get-go, and it's wrong until the end. The sinner's conduct is flat wrong. Wrong words, putrid words, lying words, harmful words, toxic words, wrong words, cursing words, bitter words. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus again in his own words to the Pharisees, the religious guys who had put fig leaves on their privates through their own board game rules that they changed for the people not to know the rules. To the Pharisees, Jesus said, You brood of vipers, snakes, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. It was Haddon Robinson 
who had it right when he said, our tongue slips not because it's wet, but because it's connected to our heart. Our tongue slips not because it is wet, but because it is connected to our heart. And so all we sinners have wrong conduct that shows up in our wrong words, but that's not all. It's our wrong deeds. The passage depicts wrong deeds, murderous deeds, warring deeds, violent deeds. Again, not a pretty picture. And now from the conduct of the sinner, we go on to the cause of the sinner's sin. Verse 18. This is the cause of the sinner's sin. There is no fear of God before their eyes. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The cause of all the sinners sinning, it's singular. It's not plural. The cause of a sinner's sin is one cause, not a gazillion causes. And what is the one cause of all sinning? You might be surprised. The one cause of all our sinning is no fear of God. No reverence for God. No awe struck wonder at the awesomeness of God. By the way, a beach is not awesome. And the weather is not awesome. God is awesome. He prompts awe, reverential respect. Look again at verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is, friends, the summary and the conclusion statement at the end of the problems which are cited in verses 10 to 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. A.W. Tozer gives us a needful perspective on Isaiah 6 and 5 and the awe that should be before us as children. The Pursuit of God is a book I commend to you that you would read and be awed by God. But one quote that is so telling is, infinite God is able to give all of himself to each of his children. Infinite God is able to give all of himself to each of you and me. Proverbs 1.7 was mentioned this morning. I'll mention it again. It stands at the doorway of all of the book of Proverbs, the 31 chapters of Proverbs. By the way, you could read one proverb a day, each day that corresponds to the month. For instance, uh, tomorrow you could read um, August 10th, read the 10th proverb. You'd go through all the proverbs in one month. It'd be a great thing to do. But Proverbs 1 verse 7 stands at the doorway to all the proverbial wisdom from God in the whole book. And you know what it says, perhaps. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, if you miss proper reverence for God, you miss skillful living in life. You miss knowledgeable living in life. If you miss proper reverence for God, you miss knowledge in the sense of the Hebrew mind. Knowledge wasn't facts to the Hebrews. That's the Greek mindset. The Hebrew mindset was live life wisely as smart and whole people. And the, the proverb is saying the fear of God makes wise and skillful living in every arena of your life possible. Reverential respect for God. Let me try to illustrate 
our problem when it comes to reverencing God. If heavyweight, former heavyweight boxing champ Vitaly Klitschko walked into a room with his six foot seven frame, his 80 inch reach, and with his boxing record of 40 victories, 38 by knockout. And he walked into the room with his record of never ever being knocked down in a boxing match. The average guy might say, man, I'd sure hate to cross that guy. But in the next breath, that same average guy might curse Almighty God for emphasis. These are incongruent. These don't match up. God can strike that heavyweight champion of the world dead in a heartbeat. It is God alone who is to be most feared and respected by each of us, not some former heavyweight champion who physically is impressive. People don't properly fear God, so people cross him. People cross God all the time. It's called sin. And all of us are guilty sinners, the man in the pulpit and the people in the pew. All of us are sinners, no exceptions. And in Romans 3, 10 through 18, all of our guilt has been demonstrated. Our character is deficient. Our conduct is polluted. Our root cause for our sin is no proper respect for God. John and Lynn France had a fairy tale wedding in July of 2005. It was on the coast of Italy. Two kids later and three and a half years later, Lynn went on Facebook and discovered her husband secretly had a second marriage performed in Disney World. There were Facebook shameless photo album of 200 wedding pictures of this married man to another woman. John Francis' character, rotten. John Francis' conduct, putrid, backstabbing lies and betrayal. John Francis' cause for the sin of being married twice, knowingly, no fear of God before whom he vowed lifelong exclusive love for his wife, Lynn. One would think that John France would admit that he illegally married two women. Uh, you'd figure that, but you'd be wrong. John France denied that he had two wives at the same time. He contended that his marriage to Lynn was never legalized in Italy. And John said that his first wife also knew that their marriage wasn't a valid marriage. John, what about before God? Not before the Italian government. Not before even John and Lynn themselves. What about before God? What about that, John? If any one of us can rationalize anything, we know it's part of the human condition. Put another way, any one of us is capable to rationalize anything if we try hard enough. But the fact is that right is right and wrong is wrong and God makes the discernment. And we all are sinners who regularly sin. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to start a new series on Stronger and talking about how we go through rough times. And... I know last time that we um, we were talking about roar and being bold for Christ, but I feel that at this time in, in our country, I think that we should talk about how 
we're going through difficult times. And how do we deal with those difficult times? And today we want to look at how, when we consider our lives and we consider, you know, things we go through, we've all been through difficult times, embarrassing times. Um, if, you know, if we can, you know, think for a second, it's a show that comes on TV called Wipeout, and people are on the show and they get paid $50,000 basically to get hurt. Um, if you watched it, you know, they jump on things and they, you know, wipe out and, you know, they, they get hurt. I want to ask you, have you ever had an embarrassing injury in front of people? Um, I can remember one time, you know, trying to, as a, you know, 18-year-old, thinking that I was cool, I had a, you know, little motorbike, and I thought, well, I'll rev it up and think to myself, oh, boy, I could, you know, I could just rev it up and let it gas up and just, you know, hear it. And all of a sudden, the bike went one way and I went the next. And that was a very embarrassing time because it was in public. It was a group of people, and I could tell you I'd never gotten up so quick in my life. But when we consider... In today's society, we consider you as a student, um, the difficult times that you may face and different things that you may go through. You know, you, you think about you may have failed a, a, a test. You may not have made the basketball team or whatever team it is. You may lose a friend because of something you said or did. Or it could be something even worse. You see, sometimes the pain we experience happens because something that's not our fault. Maybe someone you love dies. Maybe you get sick or injured. Maybe your parents got a divorce. Maybe you have to move away from all your friends. Or even in our cases, we consider, you know, traumatic, you know, things. We can think of hurricane coming through and, and destroying everything. And when we consider this, this is when things go wrong. But what if I had to tell you that there was a time in life when everything was perfect? where life was perfect, where, you know, with work it was great and, you know, we didn't have to worry about weeds and everything in life was perfect. The reality is that that was when God created the earth, everything was perfect. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. You see, in the beginning... When God created the earth, it was perfect. At that time, it was sinless. So it was nothing wrong. Everything was great. And when we consider that and we look at that and we think to ourselves, oh boy, if I had the perfect life, I would do nothing to mess it up. You know, we sometimes look at Adam and Eve and we know the story. We know that God told them that, hey, you could do, you know, what you want, but just not touch this tree. And we know that in our own lives, when you consider, you know, going through life, most of the time when someone tells you, don't do this, that's the thing you want to do. And so we see that in Adam and Eve's life as Eve, you know, takes the fruit from the tree and she, and she eats it. And one thing we, we have to be careful of is so many times as, you know, we hear people want to blame Eve. We have to understand that Adam was right there and he saw it. He didn't stop her. He let her partake of this fruit. And I think sometimes as we consider our lives and we consider, you know, when we can, we look at the big picture and we look at why do people do things, we have to remember that, again, right now, we are sinful people. And when we think of Adam and Eve and we consider how great their life was at that time and they messed it up because of sin, we need to understand that that's why our world is corrupt today. It's because of sin. 
because of the fall of man, because of what man has done. So we don't have that perfect life. We don't have the life of when everything was great. In fact, in Genesis 3, 17, 18, it says, and, Ad, and to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Again, as we consider this, this is what life ha- this was what happened to life after the fall. You know, sin created a consequence that we can't escape. We carry the effects of sin in our own heart, and the world we live in carries the effects as well. Because of sin, we make choices we're not proud of. Because of sin, it's difficult to do what's good. Because of sin, it's easy to do what's destructive. Because of sin, our relationship with others are complicated. Because of sin, our relationship with God is strained. Because of sin, the world we live in is broken. And we need to understand as long as we live on this earth, in these bodies, there will be failure and pain and loss. When we consider that and we just listen to that, we're like, well, we really live in a hopeless place. What hope do we have? Why, why go on with life? Well, one great thing is the story does not end there. Even though we face failure and pain and loss, and they are unavoidable because of sin, again, that's not the end of the story. Because God had a bigger plan. God had a plan to redeem us to himself. God had a plan to save us from our sin. And I would challenge you this morning, if you're listening to this broadcast, that you would search your heart and your life. And you would say, what is it in my life that I need to give over to God? What is it in my life that I need to say, God, here it is. I want to give my life to you. I want to give this situation. Again, as we consider Hurricane Dorian and we consider what happened and how we all are, are, are it, our lives are changed. Whether we live in Nassau or wherever we live, our life is changed because people have been displaced. People have lost everything. But the one thing that we can hold on to, even though we've lost everything in life, is we can hold on to a Savior that has a plan. Even though we don't understand His plan, we know that He has and He can redeem us to Himself. And I would challenge you as we pick up next week and we talk about this redemptive plan of Christ, that we would recognize that when we look at our lives, that we would say to ourselves, we see the sin and we give it to Him. Again, I would challenge you, tune in next week as we look more into God's redemptive plan. This is Pastor Nicholas, been an edition of You Talk. And now, today's personal God story. Good morning. My name is Anton Wallace, and I serve as a minister of music here, and I'm also one of the pastors in training. And I am indeed delighted to share with you my testimony. Before I received the gift of eternal life, my life was typical of many children who grew up in a Christian home. I attended church every Sunday with my family, whether I felt like going or not. We would go Sunday morning for the breaking of bread service. My parents actually allowed us as children to observe that. And then in Sunday afternoons, we would go to Sunday school at 4 o'clock. 
And then a Sunday evening, we would participate in the community service at 6.30. So my parents did their best to ensure that we received a proper knowledge of the scriptures, which are able to make one wise unto salvation. I soon discovered, as a result of my exposure to the word of God, that eternal life is a gift, and I could do nothing to earn it. For the Bible clearly teaches that salvation is by grace through faith, and not because of anything I can do. It is the gift of God, as we have understood from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I also learned that I had a major problem. Even though I was a good Christian kid growing up in a Christian home, my major problem was that I could do nothing to save myself from sin. And this is exactly what the Word of God says. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because no matter how many church services or Sunday school classes I attended, no matter how much I sang in church, no matter how much I helped my parents, whatever good I did would all fall short of God's perfect and holy standard. However, I was also taught that God provided a solution for my problem in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who died to pay the penalty for my sin. And what is that penalty? Romans 6 verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, which is eternal separation from God. All this knowledge came to a climax when I was about eight years old. I say about eight years old because I do not remember my exact age, not even the date of my conversion. But this I am certain of, that right now I am saved by the grace of God through faith in his son. Jesus Christ. What I do recall, however, is that on a particular Sunday evening during one of the community services where members were encouraged to invite family and neighbors and friends to come and hear the gospel proclaimed, that it was during one of these evening services at Blue Hill Gospel Chapel where I was raised I heard the gospel preached by the late Elder Errol Jackson. He was proprietor of the Reef Restaurant in Oaksville. And what I recall him preaching on was from the gospel of John and how Jesus told the Jews that unless you believe that I am he, Messiah, Son of God, unless you believe I am he, you will die in your sins. And I recall Brother Errol Jackson saying, and 
If you die in your sin, where Jesus is, you cannot go. And I knew what that meant, that if I died without trusting Jesus Christ, I would not be with him in heaven, but I would be separated from him in hell. So it was at that point that I admitted that I was a sinner. I repented. I told God I was sorry of my sins. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. One of my Sunday school teachers, Sister Longsworth, was the one who counseled with me after that service. Now that I have received the gift of eternal life, I want to share the gospel with others who also need to hear this good news. As a responsible member of God's family, I also endeavor to grow spiritually through worship, through service, through fellowship, through instruction in God's word. My life verse has become Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, if there is anyone here this morning, and you are not sure that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven. You can know that today. You can simply believe all that the Word of God says, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, He rose again on the third day, so that by faith in Him, you can be declared righteous by Holy God, something that you cannot do on your own. So I encourage you to do that today. Now is the accepted time, the Bible says. Now is the day of salvation. Tomorrow might be too late. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.